You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Leon. Let's go! Hi guys, welcome to the show. This is episode number 37. And today I am joined by Just Leon. Yo. Yeah, so um, it's been a busy couple of weeks for comics, I guess. Uh, there's been some new, new number ones for us to sort of dive into. And I've been to Leicester Comic Con. <laughs> Leicester Comic Con? Yeah. What's, what's Leicester Comic Con? What is Leicester Comic Con? It is something akin to MCM Expo, I guess. That kind of That kind of event. Um, if you've ever been to these sorts of event, it's like a, a big sales hall, less kind of close knit than your, and more commercial than the usual convention that you might think of in the UK. Because I mean, the the stuff we're kind of used to in the UK, or the stuff that I'm kind of used to, tends to be the sort of um, you know, like your, your general anime convention type things like Amicon and Kitacon and that kind of thing. Started out as anime conventions, but kind of broadened a little bit. So the, the sort of um, like fan run event. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's it's less like that, less close knit, less of a less of a community block party thing and more of a commercial sales, like a, like a whole sales room and a couple of events that you can go to and, and go and Like watch. an expo. Yeah, like an expo, yeah. <laughs> I've never been to an expo, though. This is like the first time I've been to that sort of event, I guess. I see, I see. So, yeah, it was kind of cool to go there and it was cool to see and um, they had a lot of cool stuff uh, on sale and things like that and, you know, some guys selling vintage comics, um, some people um, selling vintage toys, action figures, stuff like that, um, clothing and all that, all the kind of usual stuff you'd expect. It's obviously smaller scale than like what you would probably expect going to like MCM in London or Birmingham or something like that. But it was cool. It was a good day out. Uh, They had like um, some professional cosplayers there in Star Wars stuff. They had some really cool photo opportunities. Um, I had a photo of myself in a trash compactor. So like, you know, the Star Wars trash compactor. Yeah. yeah. Someone had like made one that like a, like a photo booth that you could stand in. And pretend you were getting trash compacted, that's... and I had I had a photo taken in there. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Like I, I, yeah. I saw some of the um, uh, photos you took, and it it did look. Um, I mean, like the benefit of having these uh, more regional um, expo type events are that uh, not everybody can get to Birmingham or London. Exactly. So it, it's a great opportunity for people who enjoy all these types of things to have an opportunity to dress up as their favorite characters, meet up with their friends and uh, peruse uh, the different wares, um, meet some of the creators um, and uh, like buy a lot of goods, buy a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. They had some they had some artists there and obviously most of the stuff that's available in there is not stuff that you can just go out and grab you know, on the high street or, or even find on Amazon sometimes, you know, it's like, this is kind of like the one time a year where it's easy to get that stuff at a decent price. If you see where I'm coming from. Um, and it was nice to have that in Leicester. It was nice to have something like this in my hometown within walking distance of my house. Um, and like to be able to go there and, and check it all out and everything and not have to, worry about paying massive hotel prices and things like that to do it it was quite cool yeah um, travel as well yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, so, I was just gonna say so um did you did you pick up much stuff yeah yeah i um i grabbed some vintage batman comics uh well i say vintage they're from the 1980s and early 90s i guess that's vintage now right it's 30 years practically retro yeah <laughs> So yeah, I, I I picked up some retro Batman comics. Um, there's a, a a guy 
um a guy i know who sells comics quite regularly in leicester does like pop-up comic shops um check him out on twitter at transwarp comics you've probably seen me sort of like retweeting some of their stuff occasionally because it's really good what he does he has a lot of uh, a lot of vintage comics selling stuff from his own collection and he also has a vintage and retro comics and he also has stuff um like variant covers of newer releases and things like that and he always has like quite a good amount of stock um so I, I went over to him and spoke to him and he, he hooked me up with a couple of complete Batman arcs, like three issue arcs that he had on sale. So they were pretty, that's pretty cool. And I sat and read those and uh, I picked up a Two-Face action figure. So the ones they did for the 75th anniversary in the style of the new Batman adventures. And it's uh, Harvey Two-Face in the Bruce Tim style with, you know, it's like, like a couple of accessories. Suit. Yeah, the white, black and white suit, the blue face, yeah, yeah the coin, everything else. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm debating whether or not to unbox that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple of cool T-shirts. They were done by, uh, like, there's like one of the independent artists that was there selling his stuff. Uh, he was selling prints, but then he had like a T-shirt press there with him. And if you saw something you liked on a print and were so inclined to get it on a t-shirt, he'd put it on a t-shirt for you there and then. So that's, I got a couple. That's of, awesome. Yeah, I got a couple of cool t-shirts. So I got a TMN t-shirt and I got a. Um, so it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for anyone that doesn't know what TMNT is, which is probably very few of you, and uh, especially if you listen to this podcast. And I got a um, a Thundercat shirt as well. Um, I bought a couple of new hats because obviously I like my hats. Most photos you see me in, I'm wearing a snapback now. So <laughs> I bought a Ghostbusters one and a Batman one. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I'm going to do as well, because I haven't actually got, I've made the, the fatal error of not having the the uh, the card I was given by this independent artist that was making t-shirts in front of me while I'm doing this podcast. So what I will do is I will add it in the show notes and you will be able to go and check his stuff out. Because you should, because it's really cool. Um, and you should uh, throw them up on the Insta. Yes, definitely. I will. Um, yeah, so it was it was a good day out. And it was nice to see people coming, you know, and enjoying that in my hometown. And nice to see that there are people that enjoy that in my hometown. And, like, such a, a really, like, inclusive day as well. Like... You know, it wasn't. It, it was good to see all kinds of people there and represented and everything else. And it was nice to see that and to see that inclusiveness or whatever represented in an event. And it was good to see like uh, kids enjoying it and being encouraged by their parents to enjoy it as well, because there were there were kids and parents that obviously enjoy the same things, like whole families going there along for a family day out. And in some cases, the kids were more into it than the parents, but there you go. Uh, the parents were more into it than the kids, sorry, should I say. Um, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it was it was encouraging to see when uh, when you're walking through the sales hall and um, like um, a couple of uh, like young boys and a couple of young girls as well just sat in the corner in cosplay, like reading comics, which was encouraging to see. Like, I'm talking yeah, like that's... 10, 12 year olds sat down reading comics and stuff which you don't see anymore and it's nice to mm. see that you know it's cool that's awesome because like we, we speaking on the the last episode um we're talking about how a lot of the fandom because of the success of the movies it sort of moved where the the films have sort of become the focal point media and it's kind of nice to have uh these conventions and expos um having the focus like centered back on 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 comics themselves as well as the uh the films and tv shows and all that so that's that's quite awesome to hear exactly yeah and that's that's that was one of the things that the transwalk guy was doing as well because he sells uh he has like a, a huge selection of comics that he sells for a pound each that he literally aims that at kids to get kids into comics so he's like yeah kids you know it's it's like cheap it's like pocket money comics right so yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and like you say, you had these the, like kids just sat with their backs against the walls in cosplay reading comics, and I was like, "That's awesome! That warms my heart to see the next generation enjoying it, and to know that people are still going to love comics long after I'm gone." Which is physical cool. as well. Yeah, physical comics. Yeah, actual paper comics. You know, they they weren't on on iPads or anything reading digital. No, they had actual paper in their hands, and that was even better. Um. 
so yeah, it was it was a really cool day out, definitely. And uh, the other thing that I've done over the last two weeks is I've actually seen Lando now. Uh, Lando, I, sh- I mean, so <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a very good Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it is, but it is basically Lando the movie because Lando steals the show. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, Lando's so what the best were your, character. What were your thoughts overall? Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I can see why it has probably fallen a bit flat at the box office. Um, but I don't think it's that. But I don't think I don't think there's anything really truly wrong with it at all. I think I think it's still a good fun film, and it's fun to watch. Um, there's a couple of bits in there, like without going into too much detail and without spoiling it. There's some stuff that. I think people might find confusing if they hadn't or, or one particular thing that people might find confusing if they were just fans of the movies. Yeah, definitely. But but it it's uh it's it's cool nonetheless. I enjoyed it. And I, I thought it was a good film and I liked it and I liked that kind of whole it had this whole like sort of like Western in space type thing going for it. Like obviously like on a low level like not it wasn't like a true western or anything but it it did have that kind of vibe and i like that yeah yeah it 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 definitely committed to um a more sort of genre appropriate um like template for the story which was quite cool mm, yeah and uh like i was saying before lando stole the show <laughs> he does and i wish there was more of him in the film yeah he deserves his own film I mean, they were saying they were going to do it, weren't they? Mm, or or yeah. I heard, I've heard there's been whispers that they were going to give Lando his own film, but he doesn't need his own film, does he? Because he's got his own comic now at the moment. Indeed. Indeed. So he doesn't need his own film right now. He does need his own film, but not right now, because he's got his own comic. And uh, I think we both read this one. So this is the first of the comics we've got on the list. And that is uh, Lando, Double or Nothing, number one. Uh, Leon, do you want to kick us off with this? Yeah, so uh, I'd heard rumblings of this in the run-up to um, the solo film. And, like, up front, uh, I haven't read any of these Star Wars um, new extended universe comics um, since The Force Awakens. Like, I haven't read any of them. Have you read any? Uh, you read the Phasma one, right? Yeah, I read the Phasma books. Yeah, and they were—that's like a kind of mini series that was set between the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. It mm. sort of like tells you what happens to Phasma after Kylo's um, sort of like moon base gets obliterated or whatever. Yeah, moon base. Can you call it a moon base? Uh, the the Death Star Mark II or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The the thing it weren't they on a uh, there was like a planet and there was a base Starkiller base or something yeah like Starkiller base that's yeah. it yeah that's what I was looking for but yeah like I haven't yeah. read um I haven't read any of them um and I, I've been kind of tempted I, I heard the one set around Rogue One that I think was focused on Jin's dad um I think I heard that was good um I heard Phasma one that you guys read I heard that was good and so I've been tempted um. But I always have that fear that it's going to just feel like, you know, when you, I used to read um, the novelizations of films from time yeah, to time. And yeah. they always sort of, they, they're kind of cool because they sometimes have stuff that was uh, omitted from the, uh, the script or like edited out of the movie. But yeah. then sometimes they just have these weird fan fiction bits where they try to explain away plot yeah. holes. Mm. And then on the worst case, they... they sometimes just feel non-essential like yeah. weird spin-offs or, so, or they're just they're just like a plain terrible adaption of said yeah. movie uh, i like to call that a uh, video game of the movie syndrome <laughs> yeah pretty much because <laughs> if there's a video game of the movie you know the video game sucks yeah like i think we can count on one hand uh in the history of video games how well the uh the titans have been yeah the amount of movie adaptions to video game that have actually yeah. been all right uh, so yeah. like i went i went with this one i'd heard good things um well I, it, it looked interesting and i thought i mean everybody 
since that Super Bowl ad, all anybody cares about is uh, Donald Glover as Lando. Uh, let's face it. So I thought, I didn't really get my fill of Lando in the movie. Like I wanted some more. So far, let me let me try the book. And it's fresh. This is issue one of the writing done by uh, Rodney Barnes, art done by Paolo Villanelli, uh, the colours done by uh, Andres Mossa. And um, yeah, I quite like it. For um, a first issue, it does set up quite a um, cool sort of heist setup, the sort of regular like uh, Cowboy Bebop-esque, Star Wars-esque, somebody with a noble mission uh, comes up to our lovable scoundrel character and needs help um, to do... uh, to, to pull something off to help people. They, they've got this mission and they, they need this person's help. In this case, Lando or uh, Han Solo in other stories or Mal Reynolds, like anyone else in that sort of archetype. Yeah. They are, they're like, yeah, I don't care about your moral cause because I'm a, a lovable rogue. But uh, if you give me the right price, I'll help you out. So it has that sort of standard setup. Uh, but it's, it's really cool. Like I, I do like... Um, how they've set it up and it's obviously set before the um, Han Solo film. And it feels like a cool opportunity for us to spend more time in these characters and get in their heads a bit. So my fear normally with things like that as well, as my main fear was with the whole solo movie is that there's mystery to these characters that I don't need the dots connected and it will sort of dilute the character a bit. So that is a fear, but I haven't really got that from this issue so far. And it actually um, just feels like a nice opportunity to spend some issues on this uh, this heist with the uh, with a character that we really like, seeing a new side of him and a character we're introduced to in the solo movie, L3. Um, and it, 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 it's fun to spend... Uh, it's, it's it's fun to have them as more of the focus because they were they were good um, supporting characters in the solo movie, and Lando's generally a good supporting character in Empire and Jedi. But here, with the focus being more on on Lando, it's quite cool. Uh, it's a bit weird at first because we used to him being like the uh, confident and swaggery. Uh, charmer uh so here because we spend more time you do get a bit of like we see a bit behind the veneer uh more so than you even see really in the solo film where it's a bit like try hard smug type thing it's like yeah uh, overcompensating with overconfidence but um which i'm not used to seeing because i'm used to him just being like suave and cool but it's i think there's an opportunity to do something quite cool there and it doesn't quite feel like fan fiction so mm. yeah i think it's um it's a cool sort of way in and uh my favorite thing of this i mean i think uh villanelli's art is so cool um like the likeness of donald glover's lando is really good but also uh i think all all the characters have quite a cool uh representation and design and uh, everything sort of sort of moves. There's a nice pace to this first issue. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's got it's got good pacing. The artwork's great. There's some cool panel works in places. Um, I like how they've illustrated. Um, there's a, there's a space battle, um, and there's some. Re- they've illustrated it in a really awesome way. And this is where like some of the cool panel work comes in. Uh, in the way they've done the space battle in the book, and uh, there's like a, a really nice sort of like double page spread um, that I could have as a poster on my wall. It's beautiful, um, and it's the uh, Millennium Falcon and a bunch of Tie Fighters. <laughs> yeah, really that is awesome. Yeah, great. Um, I, it's like the way they've put this together as well like just talking about this section of the comic particularly because this is the bit where it really shines like the rest of it's great and everything but this bit particularly uh the way it's been put together 
um it, it gets across like the the sort of like the frantic action and the like the the snap decision making these people are having to make when they're on board the, the millennium falcon um in order to get out of this particular like um like frying pan shall i say uh and it's like it's it's just really cool how how it all comes together and how they've worked it in such a way to convey that urgency and that sort of like split second decision making between each panel um yeah and i think it comes together really well um like you were saying the uh the the likeness of donald glover here um in 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 how they've designed lando in the comic book is really cool as well i like how they've done that it's a nice it's a nice tie to the movie and it's it's a good it's a good look um and yeah it's just it's just really good and l3 is just as good in here as she is in the movie so yeah <laughs> yeah they they carry on the banter in a yeah. really fun way yeah i do i do like this book i like i like how colorful it is actually yeah that's the thing like it, it could have easily fall, fallen into a sort of mucky uh like sort of dull uh that tatooine space. palette yeah, you know, yeah. space black market type feel where it's all yeah. alleyways and scumbags, and there are alleyways and scumbags there. But uh, with with the young Lando having that cool sort of yellow um, uh, shirt design and having the capes, um, and like the use of like blasters mm. and things like that, it, they do allow the images to like pop off the page in in, in a really cool way. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's really effective, and I like the fact that this is like just a five-issue miniseries. So, um, I I think it'll be cool if they stick the landing. We could have a really uh, nice um, uh, arc here that um, will play into how we um, understand these characters. So, I'm 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 hopeful. Yeah, it all comes together really nicely. And yeah, it's just it's it is actually a, it's a great comic, and I'm I'm yeah, bring on number two. I want to see where this goes. I want to see what happens. Onward from there is another a number one that I picked up, which was Sword Daughter, which I think we mentioned on the previous show in the pool list. And this is a Viking revenge tale that is very reminiscent of Japanese samurai cinema. So, you know, like these, these like black and white Japanese samurai films, like, um, Seven the, Samurai, Yojimbo. Yeah. The, um, Akira Kurosawa type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's reminiscent of that in the way that it is sort of played out and written. And as I mentioned before, it's a Viking revenge story. So it's set during Viking times. What we've got on the cover of the first issue is a young girl holding a stick above her head as a sword uh, a fire in the background it's all framed in in sort of like drab muted colors like grays and browns and her father is sat behind her so this is like what we were saying about lando being really colorful this is the opposite because although it's colorful it's drained as well and i think that's done on purpose because it's supposed to look bleak and and what and uh and inhospitable i guess Hmm. It's a um, very evocative, um, uh, like issue cover. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, is a story that is set on Iceland, uh, as far as I can work out. As I mean, for historical accuracy, accuracy's sake, it, it does quite well with the way that it, the way that it frames the era that it's supposed to be in, and things like that. And and for historical um, fiction and whatever else, it, it's it's doing quite a good job. Um, I like that it's. Um, I like I like that it, it 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 tries and it tries to get that right. I think that's really cool. Um so the the story is basically around a girl and her father. The um the the sort of like the short version is the synopsis is that their entire village was wiped out wiped out wiped out wiped out by a band of um a band of marauders uh vikings if you will called the 40 swords. And after that, her father kind of went into a sort of 10 year trance and she 
fended for herself and looked after him by trading with shipbuilders and we come to the present day where he wakes up the book is yeah he's kind of in a, in a trance just kind of like not like uh you don't know if he's asleep or what or whether he's just like he's completely shell-shocked by the whole ordeal but he wakes up anyway and she has looked after him that whole time and the book is narrated i think it's her as an adult narrating it and from the sounds of it, she now lives with nuns from from the way it's narrated. And uh, this is her telling her story. So she finishes her chores and then she gets to write her story. And she, this is her recounting her story of how she came to be and who she is. Um, And yeah, it is literally a revenge tale because the minute her father wakes up, he's just out for revenge on this band called the Forty Swords. Um, And so far it's just it's just really really cool i'm just flicking through it now as i'm talking and uh we've got some really nice panel work in the illustration of the bleak landscapes and um the sort of like inhospitableness that they're trying to get across and how everything's gray and muted um and the only pages that aren't gray and muted are the pages that display what happened to the village because it's all angry and it's all it's all hot it's all red uh, fire and, and blood and oh yeah <laughs> it's just great um it's the relationship between the girl and her father as well like she doesn't seem to talk like she's gone a bit feral in the time that she was left to fend for herself and to help him hmm. and um most of her the way that she expresses herself in this book is done through speech bubbles that contain symbols which I thought was quite cool. Um, other than the um, the narration, which is obviously her when she's older. Um, the dialogue is uh, it, it's like again, this is where the sort they've sort of like tried to go for historical accuracy because they the way the father talks, some of the dialect choices. Um, reflect maybe how people would have spoken at the time okay uh so i think there's a bit of research been done in that way in, i'm not in, sure in what ways well i'm not sure whether the words he uses would have made it to iceland i don't know how that worked but he uses words like we and burns so like we burns as in small children or small babies hmm. which is i think that's like northern england and scotland that usually use that like the northeast and then Scotland used those words as well. Um, so but I don't do you know. think it's used to give that sort of feel? Like, so, what, so while it might not be like one-for-one one trading, it, it's like um, in uh, like certain movies which are like set in the past, but they make everybody English. But like, yeah. if you um, like the the rulers will have like even if so, we're talking about like. Uh, let's say it's a movie set in, in, in Russia or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so like all the, the noble people will have like RP in Queens English and then all sort of the, uh, the people who work the lands and the, the lower classes, they'll generally give them like an assortment of mid Midlands and Northern accents. Is it, do you think it, it might be a, a thing like that where they, they're sort of using it to. Yeah. I think, I think back. it could, I think it could well be because I think if they had them speaking, cause I'm assuming they would be speaking Danish or something. So, or or uh, they'd be speaking Nordic, some kind of Nordic la- Nordic language or dialect. So, I'm assuming that's why they've done it. So, yeah, I think I think that's probably what it is to give it some kind of flavour. Um, yeah, and there's there's uh, like I was saying, there's good attention to detail in the writing with regards to historical accuracy is what I find. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's has a lot in common with Japanese samurai cinema in the way that it's framed and the way that it's written out. And the, the artwork is beautiful, detailed realism. Um, and there's this awesome double page spread of, um, where, where this is where the color comes in, which is like the band of Marauders, the 40 swords, and it's all vivid and angry and all the other pages are muted. And I thought that was a nice touch. Um, mm. but the other pages being muted don't necessarily, depict the calm and serene they they give you the harsh and the 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 like sort of like inhospitable like savage landscape that these guys are inhabiting right now because 
there's nothing left basically they've basically the, the land that has been settled has been taken to the point where it, it can't really um support more people because they've they've stripped it of pretty much everything um and there's there's great attention to detail in in expression and yeah it's just it's just a great book and it's a great first chapter in this revenge tale um you learn you you see i'm like dancing around story details i'm trying not to go into <laughs> it on purpose but yeah it's good um and I, I yeah i can't wait for number two um i'm looking forward to it because it's it's uh it's my kind of thing um historical fiction but set in a part of the world that i was very interested in as a kid uh when yeah, i used to learn about the dark ages and stuff so yeah and i'm still interested in that stuff to be fair so yeah it's pretty cool yeah definitely right on my alley uh, and that one is published on dark horse and uh we have a writer brian wood artist mac chater um colorist lauren aff or aff uh, i think it's aff uh, the cover artist is a greg smallwood and we have letters by nate piercos yeah and it's just yeah it's just a, a great well put together book and i am much much looking forward to it um there's also colors by um jose villarubia in here as well but yeah no it's great i like it and i've got another number one to talk about haven't i because the next one on my list is another one and this is blackwood and this is another one published on dark horse comics wow another 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 one yep and the creative team behind both of mine are dark horse this is like the dark horse episode um <laughs> The uh, creative team on this one, you've got writer Evan Dorkin, artist Veronica Fish and uh, Andy Fish and cover artist Veronica Fish. With this one, where this one's concerned, Andy Fish also takes care of layouts and lettering. Um, and you've got like um, a variant cover by a Becky Cloonan. Now, this book is in stark contrast to um, to Sword Daughter. This is um, it's bright and it's... It's, it's bombastic in places it's cartoony it's uh it's the cover in fact it's got the, these like sort of like bright almost neon quality to it like under a black light type thing um, oh, that's cool yeah and there's a lot of um there's a lot of there's a lot of bright colors in here and the, the cover itself um is the school gates and what appears to be who i'm assuming is sort of the central heroine of the book because there's a, like a group of main characters but i think i think the book will will focus mainly or this first issue tends to have more focus on this character and i think she's going to end up being the central heroine of the story um, she's like walking through the school gates and this is framed in uh, bright pinks and purples and yellows and some blues and it's like um, bright colours on a on a dark background, on a black background so like fluorescent pink and fluorescent yellow on a black background what you might expect from a band t-shirt or something like that and when you open it up this theme kind of continues of bright colours in contrast to stark thick black lines and dark backgrounds and it works really well for the content of the book. Uh, we've got some cool panels showing like facial expressions and things like that. This thing is like it's 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 like really good at being horrifying and a cartoon at the same time. So it does it does very well at that. Like sometimes it's like truly horrifying and and, and like it has some like. Uh, some sort of like gut-wrenching expressions in there and things like that and the way that that think you know with with things that are happening and stuff and some some really decent horror and some really decent depiction of horror and some real lovecraftian design about it that i really love and then at other times it's uh it, it's got some plain cartoon expression with people expression uh discussed with each other or things like that or you know talking and and facial expressions while they're talking and things which is kind of cool um the <laughs> The story itself uh, centres around some teenagers who enrol in what is Blackwood College, which is a school that trains students in the occult and in a desire to enhance their supernatural abilities and bond with others, that's where they've gone. And this school is obviously cursed and things start to happen. Ghosts in the dorm, uh, 
weird Lovecraftian stuff. And yeah, it just sort of like spirals up from there. So yeah, I, I, I really liked this one. I liked the Lovecraftian edge to it. And there's some great panel sequences. Um, one of the best ones is a character being awoken by dripping blood and faced with horror when she wakes up. She's like looking up and there's this this like thing that's been spat out of hell kind of like standing above her. Um and the, like the expressions are like some really ghoulish stuff in there but then like facial expressions are so great and full of feeling in this book especially when they're seeing this stuff and things it's just so great the way that's done um and there's another book part of the book where there's a descent into a well and i think this is really well done and this reflects the background with like kind of like the neon colors on the really black uh, reflects the cover even sorry with the neon colors colors on the black background and it looks very very cool um yeah, and uh, it's just the, the whole design of the thing is just brilliant. So yeah, all in all, this is like another another great issue one, I think, to go with uh, some of the new sort of number ones that we've had. And um, I wholeheartedly recommend it if you like your Lovecraftian horror um, with your, your bit of high school flavour in there, then this is this is for you. And uh, the main heroine as well, the main heroine as well of what I said, the the the, uh, the girl that I think this story is going to centre around. Um, She's like this, like uh, no nonsense punk girl with a kind of like a little bit of an attitude problem. Uh, Ren Valentine's her name. Uh, she's she's kind of cool, so I think you might. Okay. Enjoy. Yeah. If I wasn't sold before, and then I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's got she's got like her short short silver hair, and she's like really angry. So yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, um, I love my angry protagonists. <laughs> yeah, angry teenage protagonist. No, it's, yeah, it's that, a yeah. That is all my bullshit right there. So yeah, it's it's like a um, it's like someone took H.P. Lovecraft, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and uh, Harry Potter and put it all in the same cooking pot. I guess <laughs> it's the best way to describe this book. It's my way to describe this book. I always find it quite interesting when um, you get like um, decent horror releases during during the summer. So. You've got this uh, in the cinema. We've got that film Hereditary that's meant to be really, really good. And it, yeah. it just feels like as the days have got longer and the temperature is uh, risen, it's just such an antidote where we're just like, go away. I just want to like hide away from the world. Yeah, <laughs> It's a good antidote to the prescribed sort of joy that the summer is meant to give us. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 just hand me that scary shit, please. Well, I like the joy. I like the sunshine, but horror's perennial for me, as you know. So yeah. it's it's something that I surround myself with all year round, especially where comic books are concerned. Do like me some horror comics. Um, I like. I'm I'm getting as I've been saying before. I'm getting more and more into classic horror comics and stuff like that. Um, been reading some of those. Like I mentioned last episode, I picked up some classic horror books. Mm. Um, and it's it's really interesting to read back through those, and as I was saying before, sort of like see why there was a comics code at one point. <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> no, it's really good. So where are we going onwards from there? I think we're on to you, aren't you, aren't we, Leon? For Captain Marvel, we are, we are. So Hello. oh, carry on. <laughs> well, well, like on the last episode, I was speaking a lot about. Um, trying to catch up with a lot of the stuff that I've started uh, and not finished uh, since we started this podcast. Um, and I've been been doing good. I've, I've been continuing with books that I'm going to sp- uh, speak about um, more so on future episodes as I uh, progress through the trades. But I, I, there are still books current, like the Lando book that I checked out. I also decided to pick up a book that wasn't even on my list. So, yeah... I'm I'm following my plan and not following it because I don't know what it is, but I, I've wanted to check out like new Captain Marvel or Captain Marvel after she stopped being Miss Marvel. I've wanted to uh, catch up on that for years um, since they launched her uh, back in 2012, but I just never had a reason to. And then a confluence of events have just put me in such a, I need to check out some Captain Marvel. So, I mean, I the movie's all the movie's made two billion at this point. So, if you don't want to hear anything about any movies that have come out this summer, skip skip ahead for one minute. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
in in a post credit sequence of a highly successful movie this year, um, we are given the heads up that Captain Marvel's going to be going to be in the next movie. Was that was that that little indie one that came out of nowhere and won all those awards at Sundance? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 It was it was a crowd crowd pleaser, but um, I don't know if it's going to get a uh, good uh, distribution. Uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah. it pops up on Netflix or something. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So like at the end, a, a page drops to the ground, uh, and we get the the Cree Miss Marvel symbol. And at that time, I was like, yeah, yeah, uh, I need to I need to check out because I think the casting's really good. Uh, I love Brie Larson; she's been great in everything I've seen her in. And generally, I just like the idea of that character. Um, but I've always had very basic knowledge. So I know uh, a little bit of the backstory with like Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, um, and uh, like the different Captain Marvels there have been uh, in the time, and all the stuff with Carol Danvers as uh, Ms. Marvel. So I, I haven't read that much, but I've, I've, I've done a little bit of research like years back in the past just just because it was quite interesting to me but like when they relaunched in 2012 the uh captain marvel run um and they basically did away they like put a blanket on and tied a bow and they said okay ms marvel uh and her like tight uh like black costume was like They've served their time. They're from a different time, whatever. We want to relaunch this character. Like, she's Captain Marvel now, and we're going to give her a, a cool uh, cool design, and, like, we're going to refocus what this character is about. Um, and I think, like... I think the design has always been really cool, because I, I believe they got Jamie McKelvey to, to design the new costume, and it's, like, uh, blue red and with like hints of gold um so it's like that's always sort of been in in like the headspace i was like yeah i'll check it out check it out and then recently uh fans have done like a marvel run where they've um released a bunch of t-shirts and shoes and bags like uh to do with like marvel so you've got hulk ones uh general general avengers ones and and such and such and most of it looked cool to me, but uh, people on Twitter, including Jamie McKelvey himself, retweeted the Captain Marvel shoes, and they looked really good. Oh, those like, Captain Marvel ones are amazing. Yeah. Um, and that got me thinking, like, I was tempted to get a pair, but they weren't, um, they were, like, super hard to get, uh, as these things can be, with limited edition runs. But also, uh, McKelvey himself said they, the sizes... Um, they were made more specifically for women, so the sizes don't go all the way up uh, past a certain uh, size. So he, uh, the, the creator of this design that the shoe is based on, wasn't even able to to get the shoes himself. But like, um, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So what happened is that I started uh, like adding at night, uh, allow, allow you to, to like custom design trainers. Uh, and I've done some in the past before, uh, last year, yeah. uh, with Nike. Uh, so I, I, I've mopped up like my version of the Captain Marvel shoes. So instead of being Vans, they'd be like super comfortable Adidas or, or um, Air Force One Nikes. Um, and then I, I did that. So like red, blue, with the hint of gold. And I was like, man, what am I doing? Let me just read the comic now. <laughs> so, so I, I went back and I, um, I picked up, this is a long, really long-winded way of me saying that I went back to the 2012 run, which is uh, Captain Marvel um, in the pursuit, in pursuit of flight. And it's the yeah. run written by Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, and the art done by Dexter Soy and the, the letters by uh, Joe uh, Karamangna, who is also the letterist on the Lando comic. Yes. Um, um. But yeah, anyway, um, so I've started started reading this. Um, I believe one of the later parts of this is the initial 17 issues and then they relaunched in Marvel style where they just mess up numbering all the time. And and I believe that the relaunch or the second volume of this run is available on Prime now. So if you have Prime, 
get access to a bunch of free books. So um, I think it's on, in the Kindle store. You can grab that. But um, yeah, getting back to this book, back on, back on track. Um, yeah, I can see why um, this version of the characters sort of uh, created this excitement and has led to the MCU version being based on this version of the character because... Um, one, the design is awesome. Uh, Carol's hair being up and sort of uh, short on the sides, as well as the cool costume, uh, just rarely work. And the comic, uh, the first issue opens up um, with Captain Marvel and Captain America um, fighting side by side. She It's fairly recent to her no longer being uh, Miss Marvel and she no longer wears a mask. And they're fighting uh, the Absorbing Man. And the Absorbing Man's been a complete, uh, like, misogynistic douche. Uh, but they're, they're beating the crap out of him. And they get, you get this conversation uh, between uh, Cap and Cap. <laughs> and um, where he's saying, you should take the mantle. Uh, and, and she's reluctant because she's like, uh, I'm going to be stealing his name. But um, uh, Cap America, he's like, that was just the mantle. Like it wasn't his name. His name was Marvel. Like it, it's a role, um, and he would have wanted you to have it. You've inherited. So you have that sort of living up to living up to the name of someone that she respected. I mean, who led to her having her powers. And so I think it's it's a cool way to to start off like having imposter syndrome, considering she's like this hero who's so powerful, can fly into space from Brooklyn in a, a minute and a half. Uh, I do love how Marvel are really good at uh, humanising their characters this way, and I think mm-hmm. uh, uh, Deconic nails that. And I think I've re- read the first trade so far, which is the first five issues, if I remember correctly. And I, I think they really, uh, they really nail um, making this character like fun, human... And um, like imperfect, but always striving for the best. Uh, and I, I think I think they do a really good job. And um, I'm looking forward to like reading on the run and continuing it to get up to where they are now and seeing how they uh, evolve and develop the character. Because one of the fears with a character like Captain Marvel is she's mega powerful. Um, so it feels like. With characters like that, there's a worry that you get sort of Superman syndrome where they, they all start to create stupid rules for her. Um, and for her to have a challenge, she's got to not do smart things. Yeah. Same like in bad Superman comics. Um, yeah, like they Superman's got to be acting like an idiot and not using his full arsenal to, to ever be taken down because otherwise, if he was on his game, there would be no challenge at all. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping they continue down the path and of finding interesting ways for uh, her to engage. And one thing that's really cool this this comic as well, like I haven't read the, the Ms. Marvel stuff, but I, I think they do a good job of seeding that stuff um, and giving you like bits and bobs that are relevant to the character's journey um while also not being a loss like it's it's a really good example of how to relaunch a character and like i've mentioned in the past on this very podcast that um one of the things that put me off a lot of marvel and dc um is that they're never-ending runs where they're constantly retconning characters Mm. and it's just really hard to keep up with and it feels like it's a big barrier i think for people at large who are not uh, super invested uh, and I usually like tight collected runs instead. And I, I think, um, like on our second episode, we were talking about Black Panther, the uh, Tennessee Coates and Brian Stelfreeze um, comic. And I think that does a good job of sort of relaunching the character, but without erasing the history. Um, and I think I think this is this is also um, a great example. I think. Um, Soy's art is really cool. You have it's like this sort of painted, textured uh, look um, where 
like the backgrounds seem almost like paintings and, and the, but the characters don't feel like uh, they're like the characters have dimension. They don't feel like they're hovered on top because they, they, they feel all part of the, the same palette and it makes um, the character designs and the storytelling like really, um, really effective for me. Um, and I like the way they represent like current, well, for then current sort of New York and Earth, and how the the Avengers play off each other in this. It's like it's it's cool because it is such a connected book, in the sense that we have Spider Man just about, and all these all these different characters, um, Captain America, obviously. So yeah, it, it's pretty good. And I mean, uh, if if you're like me, excited for the Captain Marvel movie next year. Um, I think it's definitely a good starting point to jump on and um, brush up on this character or this incarnation of the character. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely one to, to get on and look at. Like from, from what I know about it, I've not actually read it. So, which I, and I should probably rectify that, but from what I actually know about it, it's supposed to be really good and it was received really well. So yeah, definitely, definitely want to get on and read. In the spirit of that, um, I've been going back and reading some old stuff as well, but the stuff I've been reading is a little bit older than that. I've gone back in time to the late 80s, early 90s, where I have been reading some old Batman books. Um, now, this is the stuff that I picked up at Leicester Comic-Con from Transwarp Comics. Uh, this is the uh, the two short Batman arcs that he kind of hooked me up with. Um, so this is the sort of like in the continuing Batman comic running from the 1940s up to... Um, I think it ended after a point and then they relaunched it and things got messy. Uh, but... This is like, or they renamed it or something. This has been running, this is running from um, the 1940s up to, so this is this is like um, that original Batman run, the unbroken Batman run, if you like. Um, and the first run that I read from the two runs that I bought runs from Batman 433 to 435. And this story is called The Many Deaths of the Batman. And it deals with a serial killer uh, in Gotham um, killing people in Batman costumes. So bodies turning up in Batman costumes. And it's like a proper detective tale, you know? Like, this is... Because uh, this is how Batman start. Batman was detective stories, right? Batman is, like, supposedly the world's greatest detective. And these are detective stories. And this is, like, a proper detective tale um, of a man who has... Or somebody has been killing uh, people dressed as Batman. And these bodies are turning up dressed as Batman. So the first issue in this in this arc... Um, Batman four four uh, Batman four three three Batman volume one four four three three should I say? Uh, you open it and it's everyone reacting to the supposed death of Batman because the first body dressed as Batman has turned up in the morgue or whatever, and uh, it's like it's in the papers and everything else, and it's everyone's reaction to that. And the comic is entirely silent apart from one line. Um, it's it's like a it's I think it's probably. Um, I'm not sure if it's one of if the I mean I'm sure there's been silent comics before this one but uh it's got to be a very good example of a silent comic from sort of like pre what I would say modern comics uh, mm. where where it tends to be a thing now where people put silent pages into books more often um but the whole book was completely silent there was no no narration no speech bubbles apart from one line where Jim Gordon shouts, get out. Um, <laughs> but it's um, it's really good, and it's it's really nicely done in, in the way that everyone's reactions to the supposed death of Batman are illustrated. Uh, and you've got cameos from The Penguin, Two-Face, Dick Grayson, Starfire, like all looking at the newspapers and things, and like how they're reacting to this. Um, 
the entire arc deals with Batman sort of like solving the case, as it were, of these people that are this 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 person that is uh, bumping off people dressed as Batman. And I'm not going to reveal too much in case you do decide to track it down and read it, but. It's all to do with Batman's training. Um, and it's a really cool story. And it's a really nice three-issue arc. It's, it's nice nice put together. I'm not sure if it's been collected anywhere at all. Um, I would hope it has because it's really cool. I like it. And this one is... Uh, the writer is a John is John Byrne. Uh, penciler Jim Apero. Uh, inker Mike DiCarlo. Colorist Adrian Roy. And letterer jo- John Costanza. Yeah, and the, the artwork is, is sort of like that sort of classic kind of late 80s art that you come to expect from kind you know like that kind of style that mm. you sort of come to expect from those dc comics where everything is um it's, it's it had a very distinct style it's hard for me to describe it but yeah it's really <laughs> cool it's really cool and the cover's really cool as well we've got a batman cow pin this is the cover of the uh the first book in the three book series we've got a batman cow pinned to a wall with a dagger um yeah, and it's just it's just a really nice arc, and it was really cool to go back and read through that and some classic Batman stuff. Um, and that was in 1989. That one was published. So, so around the time of the Tim Burton film. Yeah, yeah, May 89 up to July 89 uh, is when those three books were published. So that's the death of Batman, or the many deaths of the Batman. Yeah, and it's just... It was just cool how that was put together and I really enjoyed that and it's nice to go back and read that. And the second one, which is the the one that I, I had a little bit more to say on really, is Batman in Russia. And that one runs from Batman 445 up to 447. And the actual name of the arc, I believe, is When the Earth Dies. And you've got, uh, sorry, it's chapters one through three, but chapter three has a slightly different name. Chapter three is Earth Day Demon Night. And yeah, this is this is what it says on the tin. This is Batman in Russia, just after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Russia and America are trying to improve cooperation. It's Glasnost, um, which is like the period of time of Russia being open, trying to be open. Uh, and we've got Batman going to Russia to deal with the protege of one of his old adversaries, the KG Beast. <laughs> and the character that he's hunting down, that he's trying to stop, is known as the NKV Demon. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the protege of the KG Beast. So, a little bit of background first. Um, the NKV Demon, or um, Gregor Dozinski, is a Russian mercenary agent and professional assassin, and he was trained by, as we said, the KG Beast, who has turned up in previous Batman comics, and to escape from Batman had to cut off his own arm. And he's, yeah, he's just, it, it's, yeah, it's it's really cool. And it's really, um, really on the nose with this kind of stuff. Uh, the the the, uh, the demon with his, uh, his red and black and his hammer and sickle on his belt buckle and everything else. Um, and he's, it's basically Batman trying to foil an assassination attempt, attempt on, um, on uh, Gorbachev, who was the premier at the time in Russia. Uh, and it's really... Um, like I imagine when it was published, it was really sort of like in the events, like on on kind of like the current pulse and everything else with yeah. uh, like Batman trying to preserve the effort that Russia and America were making to work together. Like Batman's whole purpose for being in Russia was to foil the NKV demons attempt to break apart the uh, the the kind of the, the bridge that was being built so to speak, by assassinating all the people that were promoting um, this this period of openness and everything else. He was like going through different ministers, just taking them down one by one. Finally, try uh, um, like Mikhail Gorbachev was going to be his like his final his final target basically. And this is like through the three books, Batman. Is is attempting to fo- attempting to foil his attempts and things like that, and it's 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 very much in the same style as the previous run. Uh, the writer on this one is Marv Wolfman. Uh, we have penciler Jim Apero, um, inker Mike DiCarlo, colorist Adrian Roy, and letterer John Costanza. Again, the interesting thing about this one is the writer, um, Marv Wolfman, is responsible for creating Nightwing. Uh, Robin, Tim Drake, that is. Uh, Starfire uh, and the Nightwing identity, not actually Nightwing, obviously. Uh, Starfire, Raven, 
Cyborg, Deathstroke, yeah, um, Brother Blood, <laughs> Trigon, Destiny, Doctor Light. He's he's like you know the, the monitor, the anti monitor. Uh, he was the creator of the NKV Demon. The NKV Demon's first appearance was in these three books. So yeah, that, that's the interesting thing about this run. Um, and it's just it was just nice to read it, and it was nice to sort of like get an idea of what was going on at that time. Um, and and it gives you that kind of like um, through comics a snapshot of the politics of the time, if you get me. Yeah, yeah. And... Like it, it feels like um, it w- it was a good outlet for a lot of these writers to uh, say some stuff. <laughs> yeah. And this uh, this NKV demon guy is like uh, hardcore for the teachings of Lenin and Stalin and Marx and things like that. And that comes out in in this book, because in the final book, he's going to assassinate Gorbachev on Lenin's birthday, which also happens to be Earth Day. Uh, (laughs) Because because it's not only about the politics between America and Russia, it's also about um being environmentally and friendly environmentally friendly and everything else and working to kind of lessen the human impact on the environment which is the other thing the book goes into a little bit which is what these peace talks are mainly about and things like that is what you get is what they say in this book anyway um and uh it's uh vicky vale has this whole sort of monologue about it um sort of like somewhere in the book uh yeah, the the, co- the, uh, the the books that I picked up, the covers are by um, Brian Bolland. So it's some nice Brian Bolland cover art there for my comic collection. It was really nice to be able to buy those and read those. They were really cool. And yeah, anyone anyone that says that comics should, should go back to being apolitical, tell me when they were apolitical. Come on, do it. <laughs> <laughs> tell me. Give me a decade. Give me a year. Because I don't think there's ever been a time. And you know what? I don't think there ever will be a time and there's sh- and, and damn right there shouldn't be because comics should explore this stuff because it's a really good medium for it so yeah no it was really cool to be able to read those books and the, these are they're really cool runs I really enjoyed it um and I guess that brings us to the end uh onto the pull list I guess which um we're going with the 13th of the 6th first so this is the 13th of June yeah there's quite a few things coming out on my list anyway um got analog number three which we've talked about previously dead hand number three death of love number five so that'll be the last one and that'll come to an end we've got kick-ass number five the new kick-ass run uh rose number 12 which i have talked about on this cast previously and i will get around to talking about again at some point because it's a really good fantasy tale lost light number 18 still the best transformers book um batman prelude to the wedding this time it's Batgirl and Riddler. So if you remember before, we've had Robin and Rachel Ghoul, we've had Nightwing and Hush, and now we've got Batgirl and Riddler. Uh, Detective Comics nine eight two is out next week, uh, as it, uh, this this coming Wednesday. Sorry, as is Mister Miracle number nine, or even actually, you know what? This coming Wednesday, I mean the date that this episode will air. Uh, Spectacular Spider Man number three hundred five, Met Cadet U number nine. That's my pull list for this. Uh, this coming Wednesday, or if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the date that you are listening to this. So that's Wednesday, the 13th of June. Um, right now, baby. Yeah, right now, yeah. <laughs> Go on and buy it quick before the shop closes. No, um, the next one is um, the 20th of June. And the things that I picked up from there, just briefly, we've got Batman Prelude to the Wedding, Red Hood versus Anarchy. And we've got... Batman number 49, which is in the lead up to the wedding. Batman 48, we had this nice uh, this nice Joker story. And uh, I think the Joker's actions are what's bringing everyone else out of the woodwork leading up to the wedding. So I'm quite enjoying that at the moment. The, the Joker wanting to be the best man, I think, is the idea that's behind it. Or that's the Joker's twisted sort of... Um, because he always has some kind of like sick, twisted thing behind his schemes, doesn't he? And I think this is to do with him being the best man at Batman's wedding and him sort of going off the rails a little bit, having not received an invite. And he's like looking. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's he's basically ter- there's um there was like a, a on free comic book day in the uh, the DC kind of like um, collection prelude thing they did. Um, he turns up at a guy's house and he's like waiting for the invite to come through the door. He's like, where's my invite? supposed to get an invite and, and this guy's like what you're crazy why would why would you get an invite to a you know a wedding sent here 
like to uh, you know to like I don't have anything to do with these guys. I don't know Batman from Adam. Like why is he? Why would he send me an invite and all this? And the Joker's like. I'm just waiting for the invite kind of thing. And he's got this guy at gunpoint in his kitchen watching the letterbox. And it's just like, it's completely nuts. Um, also that week, we've got Hit Girl number five, um, which is the continuation of the current Hit Girl run that we've got, where she's now in Canada. So that'll be interesting. And there's another new one that I picked up called Shanghai Red, um, which sounded kind of interesting, and that's on Image Comics. That one is about a woman who is shanghaied out of Portland in the late 1800s. She's drugged, kidnapped, and sold to a ship's captain. She wakes up on a boat headed out to sea for years, unable to escape or even reveal who she truly is. Uh, Now she's coming back in a boat covered in blood to find her family and track down the men responsible for stealing her life out from under her. And, yeah, it it just sounds really interesting. Um sort of like set in that time and whatever like it's some kind of revenge story um and uh that is uh christopher sabela writing that um you've also got josh hickston working on it and um uh hassan otsuman elhaw uh working on there as well as artists and cover artists um so yeah that should be quite interesting quite interesting look at that and I think that is it for me for the pool list unless you've got anything to mention leon no uh just looking out for mr miracle uh, next week which uh, what well, today sorry yeah <laughs> we're recording this on the sunday but yeah so uh that has been ace comicals episode number 37 so you can find us on facebook under ace comicals you can find us on twitter at ace comicals you can find me on twitter at bato that's b-a-t-t-o-u so uh come and tweet at us dm us get involved in the conversation Uh, Tell us what you've been reading. Suggest some things that we should read, maybe talk about on the cast. If you go to our website, www.acecomicals.com, that is pretty much the hub for everything. We will find us on Instagram under Ace Comicals. Um, You can find us to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn and Castro. Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. Also, a quick note, if you like what you hear and you are so inclined, you can buy us a coffee on Kofi or coffee. Um, I'm not quite sure how to say it, but it's there. And (laughs) we have a link on our website for that as well. So, yeah, I mean, all proceeds from there go to the cost of hosting and um, keeping the podcast up, basically. So, yeah, um, that has been Ace Comicals number 37. So that's Ace Comicals over and out.